Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, there's trouble in Ramsey Street as race relations go from bad to worse. Another misstep for Netflix with Aussies protesting the streaming giant. And we get the inside scoop on the real Housewives of Melbourne when we chat to one of the stars. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Yes, we're back from a bit of a break. It's the TV Black Box podcast. Joining me for this edition is none other than Rod Morris, who works on a variety of TV shows across the country. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob, and it's nice to be back. Hope everyone had a good Easter. Indeed. Aaron Ryan, a contributor to TV Black Box, is with us. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. It's also nice to be back. A lot can happen in a couple of weeks. A death in the royal family, a mass finale and Dancing with the Stars back on TV. Lots happening. Indeed, there is a lot to talk about. Sarah Monaghan is not with us. She's missing in action. So we've done a last-minute call-up. Malk, you've come back to join us. Sarah may pop in. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, look, I tried to get out, but you pulled me back in. Um, it's, it's very possible that Sarah and I are the same person and you're only just catching up that we can't be in the same place at the same time. That mm. is so weird on a variety of levels. But anyway, <laughs> it's all good. Um, don't forget, you can go to tvblackbox.com.au you for your latest TV news and do us a favour. Please go and like us on iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five stars really helps uh, beat the haters. All right, let's get into this week's stories because actress Sharina Clanton has appeared on ABC 730 in her first television interview since her posts and comments on Instagram alleging racism on set while filming a guest spot on Neighbours. She described it as a systemic and the worst environment she has worked in. In her original Instagram post, she included many instances, including the refusal for an Aboriginal elder to be included in the process, hearing the N-word openly used on set on two occasions, and being told to go somewhere else for making others feel uncomfortable when she confronted the actor about the use of that word. Other former actors on Neighbours, including Maine White, have been vocal in their support of Sharina, sharing their own stories of racism. Entertainment reporter Peter Ford has reported that current cast and crew are being threatened with immediate dismissal if they make any comment. And now the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance has met with Fremantle Media, the production company behind the show, implementing new anti-racism, sexual harassment and discrimination training for all staff. Mal, this is the biggest story that has dropped while we've been away. There is an investigation going on. Lawyers have been called in, a consultancy group. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that could kill a show. Uh, look, it sure is. And and the, to say that the, the shit has understandably hit the fan uh, would be an understatement. I mean, it's not just uh, one person. It's not even two. In fact, last night on 7.30, uh, ABC journalist Jason Om caught up with a number of former cast members who are people with, you know, other than, uh, you know, Anglo backgrounds. I'm talking about Remy He, spoke with Sharina as well, Monique Gunaratna and uh, Sachin Joab, who have all played different roles on Neighbours, and they all confirmed what Sharina has been saying. So one person can be dismissed as, you know, this is just they had a bad experience or whatever. Um, and I'm not pleased, I'm not saying that to suggest that that's the case for Sharina. Um the, the challenge for Fremantle Media Australia and for 10 is that so many other cast members came out and said, yeah, we all experienced it too in different ways. Like that's absolutely pointing to some pretty, uh, you know, endemic issues on the set. 
Yeah, and, and look, I'm hearing rumours that this could end up affecting the on-air cast. So there could be big changes behind the scenes on air. And we know producers will do that if it comes to saving a big show that makes a lot of money for Fremantle. So it's going to be very interesting, Rod, to see where this goes. You know, it's interesting on sets. It can be a little bit piss-takey, you know, and in production areas of any TV show. I've certainly heard inappropriate jokes, but they've come from people who can sort of get away with it and uh, not racism jokes, I just mean over the top, um, making outrageous comment jokes, you know, and because it's come from this source and you know there isn't the malice and there isn't the actuality behind it, it has been acceptable, but maybe that's not acceptable. Yeah, look, when I first read this, I thought, really? Because like, I, I've known quite well some of the former CEOs, uh, like Chris Oliver Taylor, I don't, I've met him once, um, but the previous ones, met and dealt with him. Like, I, I doubt it's come from the top down. As you say, hopefully it's just one idiot or pinhead. But, but some of the claims, like, you know, the, the quote was that it was a culturally unsafe place. Wow, that's a big call. Yeah, um, big call, yeah. yeah, and actually, just... You know, all the productions I've worked on, like there, there was a, a quote here from Maine White say that there was also rampant homophobia on the show, which made for a very unsafe environment for anyone in the LGBTQIA plus community. And it's like, well, I've got to say, I was sort of flabbergasted when I read that because so many of the productions I work on, there is a lot of non-straight people on those shows. Um, and, you know, plenty of times I've been... Like, <laughs> Whatever I say here, I've got to be careful because, yes, I'm a straight white man of privilege, so I feel like I'm not qualified to comment. But I've been called, you know, sweetie darling by plenty of, you know, gay um, collaborators on shows. Um, it doesn't disturb me, but, you know, I just, I'm still sort of in shock that it's, if it's really that bad on, on, on Neighbours, I hope it's not because, like, I, I know, like, Tony Skinner, who used to run Fremantle Melbourne, ran Neighbours, like, as the, the senior exec there for a long time. I, I just... As I say, I can't imagine it comes from the top down. I just hope it's one little idiot comment here or there. But yeah, to to make a statement to say it's a culturally unsafe place, it's like wow, that's that's a that's a big call. I'd also like to hear from some more high-profile people, like what their experiences are. Like you know, what what are the likes of Jessica Mowboy and say Wayne Blair or Aaron Pedersen? What if they come out and you know they're they're not associated with neighbours, but the productions they've worked on, like it's these articles read like. The industry, this this sort of attitude is in, is endemic in it. I just, so I was sort of shocked when I read some of the, the, the quotes. But again, just to qualify, I really can't comment as a as a, a white straight man of privilege. Aaron, I think the biggest shocking thing about this for me is the simple fact that the arts community is usually so open, so very left wing. So the idea that there's yeah. racism and homophobia on a set is really surprising. No, that's right. Yeah, I definitely find that um, really surprising in this kind of industry where it, it's certainly very open. I think for me, the thing that was just as bad or if not worse than this story was the people's, some people's tweets back to her. Um, I, just, I just think it's so shameful to be part of a society where people either feel or outwardly express hate by saying things like, Hey, never hire brown people. That was one of the tweets that she that she actually received. I mean, I know it's quite big, but being real honest, I think as humans we we think too much and we feel too little. Um, I don't know where our attributes of kindness are um, and whether humanity is in our hearts. I mean, it doesn't mean we can't have a, a an opinion on the subject or about this investigation, but airing a bite-sized statement on social media like never hire brown people is just sad and you know i lose my faith in our fellow humans when you hear stuff like that doesn't matter what the situation is sending tweets out like that is awful this is why every twitter user should be verified but i started a petition on this gotta tell you there was a lot of pushback against it people want anonymity on on twitter and facebook but mainly twitter so that they can be mean
Simple fact. I signed it. I signed it. I appreciate that. All right. Netflix has announced a new series set in Byron Bay called Byron Bays. B-A-E-S. A reality show about the social media influences of the popular northern New South Wales town. But locals are not happy. Businesses are denying access and a petition has been created and signed by over 5,000 people, urging the community to boycott the show and refuse to grant filming permits. They say the fact that the community is already facing significant challenges driven by influencer culture and rapidly shifting demographics of residents. Wow. Um, I've got to say, Aaron, do you think it's fair for the locals to have these concerns? Let's start with there first. Well, I'm trying to figure out if the premise for this show is that far from what mainstream Australians and overseas tourists think of this town. I mean, I went to Byron Bay last year and I took a picture outside Chris Hemsworth's place and I always associate it with it being a city of beautiful beaches, celebrities, good-looking people, festivals, hippies, maybe a place to throw around a special chocolate brownie, music, a place of social influences. It didn't seem like the series was going that far away from the thought that, you know, the thought I have or what's you know about what the show is 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 or is it that byron bay is outright outraged because they don't want to further stereotype the image that people like me have of their town i don't know well rod what's fascinating to me is netflix said this is their love letter to byron bay uh that australians you know it's one of our high-profile cities that all we think about. Mainstream Australia out in the suburbs are not thinking about Byron Bay. They just think it's a a place of celebrities and hippies. You know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It does not touch mainstream Australia on the sides. Um, understandably, the community are not happy about this. It reminds me of the Shire when Channel Ten did that show a few years ago, and Cronulla rebelled against that show. The mayor cannot stop it. He ha- he cannot. Uh, deny filming permits under state legislation. Is this another misstep for Netflix? I don't think the local commissions have been that good. Netflix is the place that produces these multi-hundred million dollar shows and we're getting as Australia's contribution to the global empire of Netflix, Byron Bay's the reality TV show. Yeah, look, I think their biggest fear is, let's face it, any any destination that becomes part of a reality show. It's not usually good for the overall image of the, the town further down the track, whether it's Geordie Shores or or whatever. The thing that came to mind with me is, are they scared of minibuses tours coming, like going back to Neighbours? There is still the Ramsey Street tours that happen in Melbourne, you know. A lot of Brits mm. don't come out anymore because of COVID, but there used to be busloads of those would come and visit all of the Ramsey Street hotspots. So, is that what they, they're fearing, all these minibuses going up and down uh, Johnson Street, Byron Bay, and clogging the streets up? And, yeah, just the, the whole brand of Byron's probably going to be tarnished by it if it goes ahead. And, well, it's going to go ahead, isn't it? <laughs> Mulk, what do you make of this? Um, the people of the, the far north coast of New South Wales, around Byron and, and that area, are the worst NIMBYs in the country. Like, we complain about people in the north shore of Sydney and you can't build that here and blah, 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 blah honestly they they act like they are protecting something that is sacred they have some of the most amazing beaches they have an incredible lifestyle and a tv show being filmed there not about their personality or or who they are or their community but about people who want to promote themselves from an influencer perspective with the incredible backdrop of their community this is going to bring literally hundreds of thousands of dollars into their community during the filming, let alone any of the knock-on effects that turn it into a destination holiday spot, which it already is. It's honestly so short-sighted it's not funny. Now, I appreciate there would be inconvenience in filming, sure. But to think that people are upset because it's going to paint Byron in a negative light, they need to take a good hard look at themselves and think if this is what they think it will do, how do they think Byron is perceived now? Well... It's interesting you talk about the influx of money because cafe owners have said they want to film in, they want me to shut down my cafe for half a day and they don't want to pay for it. They just want access to my venue, you know, like they're not even paying for the privilege of shooting here. Um, but let me ask you this, Mulk. Mm. Forget all the controversy behind the scenes. Is this a good show for Netflix Australia to be commissioning? 
I, I would say to you at this point, there's nothing like it on Netflix. So to that end, it's a toe in the water from their perspective to see whether or not there is interest in this kind of thing. I think they would think there is. They've got similar shows, but nothing that you could say, this is a carbon copy or this is a thing. Um, I think that it is a smart commissioning because it buys, it allows Netflix to say on one hand, look at us, we're commissioning Australian content. Mm-hmm. It is a smart commissioning because we know what the rest of the world think of Australia. They're going to get it in those wonderful backdrops and cutaways and all of the things that Byron is absolutely known for, sunny, sandy beaches and beautiful people doing beautiful things. That's a given. Um, so I think to that end, it's all win for Netflix. As, as far as this PR issue that flies around it, mm-hmm, I mean, it's not a it's not a huge thing. I, I would hate to be the person that is responsible for a global giant's Australian commissionings because it doesn't matter what you commission, you will always be criticised. That's certainly true. That's certainly true. But I've got to say, look, maybe I'm the wrong demographic. This doesn't appeal to me. I'm a big Netflix user, however, and I watch a lot of content on Netflix. This has no appeal to me whatsoever. So uh, I haven't seen it. I I do have to wait until I judge it. But just when when that postcard lobbed into my email... It didn't uh, have appeal to me. So I'm interested to see how it goes for one. Sure. Look, I don't think the rest of Netflix's users in Australia really care whether Byron Bay locals are upset. So I don't think on a PR front it's an issue in the slightest. I think the biggest issue is whether the show looks like a good show for Netflix and is it brand damaging if Australia looks at this show that's getting a lot of publicity at the moment and goes, what a shit idea for a show. Who wants to see that crap? This is not being made for the Australian audience, mate. Byron Bay's is not being made for us. But that's but the head of content in Australia says it is. She said that it's not being made for international audiences, that anything she commissions is for Australia, and if it does well overseas, that's a bonus. I'd have to see the quote. There's no way that you would be marketing something like this to Australians because it, it's playing into uh, our already preset prejudices around what we think Byron Bay is and influences are and who they are and all of those sorts of things. No, that's what she said. All right, guess what? There's breaking news Sarah Monaghan has joined the line, and I do notice a wine in her hand. It is late afternoon in Florida. Sarah Monaghan, welcome to TV Black Box. Thanks. Sorry, I had 6.30 in my calendar, not 6. (laughs) And yes, there is wine, and there was fresh fish for dinner. Yes, I was contacting Sarah on every way known to man and getting no response, and I went, hmm, someone's out on the boat getting a tan. (laughs) <laughs> no, we actually just had a rain shower. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, you call it what Let's... you want, Sarah, but Thanks. keep that between yourself and your husband, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about the big dirty cock on my chest, actually. That's not – it's a great visual gag, but no one knows what you're talking I have a shirt on. The, the rooster is the official thing of Key West. So. <laughs> oh, I'll take an Instagram picture uh, for everyone. Sarah's Sarah's with us. All right, let's move on because the countdown to the Tokyo Olympics is on with under 100 days until the world's greatest athletes take to the stage. And Seven has announced their new commentary team, which includes some notable changes to their original lineup. These changes included Sonia Kruger and Ian Thorpe no longer confirmed as part of the team. Kruger was originally named Afternoons host, but instead will focus on the variety of Seven's entertainment shows she's currently hosting. Ian Thorpe was meant to play a major role in the network's coverage, but he's now said to still be in negotiations um i've got to say guys i saw seven's uh big presentation it was a virtual event i've got to say they've had an extra year it looks amazing i did get to ask a question where i asked how many people are they sending to uh tokyo that question was skillfully avoided but i've done some digging and i can tell you seven will only be sending around 40 people to Tokyo. The rest will be based in a Melbourne studio, which is hundreds of people, editors, uh, studios, uh, presentation. All the commentators will be based in this Melbourne facility. It will be huge. Um, But that's been the way it's been going for a few years now, hasn't it, Rod, where people are basically, they're doing their coverage locally because they just get all the international feeds in. 
Yeah, actually, the first time you talk about the magic of television, I thought I knew it all. Back in 2004, when the, uh, the Athens Olympics happened, I was surprised because we were making deal or no deal down at uh, Coventry Street, which is the old Channel 7 Melbourne studios. I said, oh, you guys have got to move out for about six weeks. Oh, why? And we had to move over to Docklands. Oh, well, the Olympics coverage is coming. And that blew my mind. You mean the main <laughs> hosting set's not over in Athens? And that's the first time it came to mind. I thought, oh, shit, yeah, why would you bother sending all those people over there? So that's where, that's where my illusion of how the Olympics was produced was shattered back in 2004. So, yeah. I think that was the first year they did that, actually. Up until then, uh, well, Sydney 2000, of course, was here. But pr- prior to that, the Olympics always, they were always over there for the coverage. Um Malk, what do you think about these changes? Uh, it certainly looks good from Seven's part, what they're doing with the coverage. Yeah, look, it, you're right, Rob. Given that extra 12 months, it should have been a super slick presentation by Kurt and the team from Seven, and it was. Um, uh, the the challenge I think that they face, like every other broadcaster, is that there are still so many question marks. Even now at, what are we, you know, under 90 days out from uh, the Olympics starting, um, COVID is rampant in Japan. Uh, and mm. they are seriously concerned about what that is going to mean. They've already scaled back, I think, twice now, the opening and closing ceremonies and what that's going to look like. There's nobody in the stands. Uh, it's going to be very hard to build atmosphere, so it's going to have to lean pretty heavily on um, you know, the team that are presenting it and, and how we can focus on what that's going to look like. Um, it'll be gut, gut-wrenching for the, for the um, athletes who go to be a part of what is ultimately their big summer camp every four years. Um, And it's just not going to have that vibe. I think as far as the changes go, necessary because of COVID, I think it is... Look, a bit surprising, but not really, that Sonia's not involved anymore, especially when, for all of the, the bluff and bluster about, well, getting Sonia over from nine because she's going to anchor our, our Olympics coverage and now she's not in it at all. Uh, a lot changes in 12 months. We have to acknowledge that. For mine, I think the biggest uh, and most noticeable change is the change for Mel McLaughlin. And I'm not buying the spin that's coming around, oh, but we wanted to do this and now Abby's in and and Mel's going to to Tokyo. Um, I don't buy that as a promotion for Mel at all. This thing about uh, temporarily upgrading 7.2. Now, how many HD channels are they putting out? Because I hate watching anything in standard def. um, especially given the size of the TV sets. Do we know technically how they're going to be putting it out? I believe it's in HD, and that's all I really know. What What's interesting, though, is the amount of streaming channels they will have at 7 Plus. They are essentially taking every feed, and you will be able to watch the Olympics in any language, essentially. Uh, it's it's going to be hundreds of hundreds of streaming feeds on 7 Plus. It's going to be amazing. The, the broadcast on free-to-air is going to be, while they did have plans to have three HD channels, they won't be. Is that because it's technically impossible or they don't have the spectrum? Do we know why? Yeah, they don't have the spectrum. They would have to hang up um, some stuff and get some extra spectrum from Magic Land to be able to build the capacity to deliver it. Does that mean they uh, won't sacrifice the advertorial channel bandwidth while they're, the Olympics are on? <laughs> sure sounds like it, doesn't it, Rob? <laughs> Got to keep that money coming in. Sarah, NBC is the king of all kings when it comes to Olympic coverage. Have they been going big on what's coming for the Olympics? There's just conversations about whether the Olympics is happening or not happening and I think they're kind of scared to go hard. Although I did see that all of the Olympic events are happening based on the US schedule, even though it's night time in Japan, but you know, it's commercial time in the US. And I was like, how does that work? Should they go on the local country's time? And my husband's like, well, now you know who the most important people are. So, um, but, uh, I mean, he's an American. So, um, but yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff on it. So I don't, I think they're just, they're holding back a little. Yeah. Everyone is that little bit scared. There's no doubt about that, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, Channel 10 and Channel 7 will be breathing a sigh of relief with the conclusion of Married at First Sight. Nine's juggernaut propelled the network to another win for the official resumption of ratings with a 30.9% network share. The return of Dancing with the Stars has really changed Seven's fortunes, with the network very close behind on 29.2. The ABC was third on 16.9, followed by 10 on 15.4 and SBS on 7.5. Primary channel rankings were exactly the same. Aaron... 
there's no doubt Ten has been in a holding pattern waiting for the conclusion of maths. There's a lot riding on MasterChef, and we have the results. So Lego Masters last night got 838,000, MasterChef 670,000, and Dancing with the Stars 644,000. Yeah, well, that seemed to be about right. Uh, the only thing there being MasterChef, I just wasn't sure whether people were going to come back without it being an All-Stars edition this year. So I thought, is it going to come back and do that sort of million again? Or are they perhaps going to be settling back to a sort of a 700 sort of uh, number? So it, it sort of came out probably about right. Dancing with the Stars sort of maintaining its numbers. Lego Masters, yeah, 838, not bad. So... Yeah, I think um, there'll be some even more competition next week from Big Brother, so we'll see how it goes. Mark, what do you think about this? Um, MasterChef just did so well last year. Mm. Was that the all-star factor? Oh, look, I think that it was twofold. It was the fact that we were seeing a whole bunch of returning uh, MasterChef contestants and, and how have they gotten better and all of those sorts of things and the parachuting in of the new judges, the new hosts. Mm. Uh, and everyone was keen to see how that would work. It was a really smart way, uh, as we talked about last year, to give uh, Andy, Jock and Melissa uh, a foothold as as the new hosts of MasterChef. Uh, I think that the story for MasterChef, uh, as always, right, we know that Dancing with the Stars is a sprint. Lego Masters is ostensibly the same. MasterChef has about a thousand episodes in it. So it runs forever. Um, it, to have it launch where it is now and go there, right, it's 670. That's not too bad. It is second place for the, that 730 time slot. That's a good start for MasterChef. And I think that will play and bode well for it across the season. Um, Lego Masters is probably the one, if we needed to worry about anything, that should be worried about. 838 is good, but not great. Um, it's down, right? It's down year on year as far as its launch uh, for the season goes. That said, it's still a great family show. And I suspect that where we've lost viewers here, that nine now numbers, the catch-up figures will be bigger. Uh, because the the real problem in Lego Master success is it is a family show and there are not heaps of people that want to keep their four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds up until 10 past nine to watch the episode finish. It's in, it's interesting um, that MasterChef is where it is. You know, mm. the audience is split. I sort of thought more audience might come to free-to-air television last night with more offerings, but the audience numbers overall as a cursory look, appear to be the same when you think Married at First Sight was getting 1.2, mm-hmm. 1.3. And when we look at those numbers, it's they've just redistributed. They haven't increased yep. with more options. It'll be interesting to see where Big Brother comes next week because yep. I've seen the first three episodes. It's fantastic television. It's What they've done this year is they've learnt the lessons from last year. The casting is better. The drama is better. But there's real heart to it as well. We missed that connection last year with the contestants, with the housemates. Mm-hmm. We have that this year. And there's two guys, Danny and Nick, I think their names are, who are chalk and cheese. One is a real estate agent and one is a sort of laid-back cricketer. And the real estate agent is all about the deal. I'm the king of the house. You know, like, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. These two guys become unlikely buddies And it's almost like a Laurel and Hardy situation. And Hmm. this is what is taking Big Brother to the next level. I think if Seven can get an audience to Big Brother, they will stay with Big Brother this year. That's that's my tip. Well, it'll be interesting to see this time next week how that looks. And again, Big Brother's got yeah. more than you know, three or four episodes in how it plays out. The, the the thing that still kills me about Big Brother is the pre-recorded thing. I understand all of the stuff. Um, uh, but that's, that's a detraction for me. Um, how it all plays together, I think you're right in what you said earlier, that this is a redistribution of the maths audience um, that we've seen, because 10 really weren't in competition with any of this stuff that they were offering. Mm. And dancing has been good. This is still 100K off what it launched with last week. Um, So dancing is up a bit. That's good, right? Well, it's up a bit from what it bounced down to. It went down to 558 on the Tuesday night. Um, But it could do with stabilising in the mid-600s. But there's only two eps, three eps left. 
Like, mm. it's almost like it was here and it's gone and who has time to care? Big Brother, MasterChef, they're the ones that are going to be the critical ones for both 7 and for 10 because they take up so much of their primetime schedule for so long. The, the only thing I wanted to say, um, Mog, about your summation earlier is I agree with everything you said, but maybe just one thing. I, I would be... Would, I think Tim would be a bit concerned about MasterChef because... Wouldn't you think they'd want to have launched with something closer to, say, 800 or something so it can taper off a little bit down to 670? If they're going to start with 670 for the launch episode, I wouldn't expect it to grow after that. It probably will taper down a little bit. I think 670 was probably a bit low for a launch episode. Uh, look, it, it, it certainly it's down on what last year's launch was. There's no question, year on year. Um, the, the difficulty for, for MasterChef, as I said, because it's uh, a longer marathon run and it's cyclical in its week too, like it's up against all of the things. Come Wednesday night, MasterChef effectively gets free air. No Dancing with the Stars, no Lego Masters. It gets to yeah. do what it wants. And if they follow their usual sort of process, Sunday night is the big night for MasterChef. So that's when their eliminations are. And I know they drop them in during the weeks and stuff, but it's usually always taper down through the week and build up for Sunday night, taper down through the week. So while 670 is nowhere near what they would have wanted, everybody wants more eyes watching their program, I agree. I think that it is a better place to start than sub 500. If they were there, all bets are off. Fair summation. Thanks, guys. Well, moving on, and Amazon's The Lord of the Rings series is set to become one of the largest television shows ever made, with the first season alone to cost around $602 million Australian dollars. That figure was released in documents as part of the New Zealand government's Official Information Act that also detailed the plan to potentially film five seasons in New Zealand, as well as possibly another spin-off series. Aaron, <laughs> how... The hell can a local Aussie drama series compete with that? I've got two words for that. You don't. <laughs> I mean, more people watch Home and Away, though, than they do NCIS or The Good Doctor, and those US shows have, appear, have what appears to be unlimited budgets. It's about the quality of the dramas, um, and to be honest, we haven't done so well lately i mean we had footballers wise you know amazing grace they, they were okay but we can do so much better we have the talent we've got the beautiful land here we just need to up it in the writing department i think and 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 we don't need to compete with that because australian stories can be done on a minuscule budget aaron how do we know that more people watch home and away than ncis austam ratings oh in australia sure yeah yeah um you know yeah just talking so in australia we, we prefer uh, local local dramas. We we will watch Home and Away. You know, five hundred, six hundred thousand viewers compared to NCIS, even though they've got bigger budgets. So even though that show has a three hundred and forty-five million dollar budget, we can get people. We don't need to compete. We can do a a an Australian show for a lot less. But it just we just have to up the writing. I'd argue with that, Aaron, because the simple fact is Home and Away is a staple. It's there every night. But every new drama that launches, and, and Mark, you're the expert when it comes to Aussie TV drama here, it all seems to get two or 300,000. Australians don't seem to be drawn to local Aussie drama anymore. Well, it's a challenge because we've had it pissed against the wall by the networks for so very long. Uh, COVID hasn't helped. Let's acknowledge that straight away as far as how that's played out. But it was happening in 2018, 2019. Yeah, I don't think this is a COVID issue. Um, oh, it, it hasn't helped. Uh, however, we are Wednesday night next week getting two new Aussie dramas. One is season five of Doctor Doctor, and the other one is uh, Reckoning, which has been sitting on seven shelf for twelve months. Um, so, make your guesses on how good that's going to be. Um, you know, so two dramas premiering head to head on Wednesday night. Um, feast or famine with, with Australia when it comes to drama. The challenge is mm. that with the rise of the streaming services and the capability and opportunity for us to watch what we want, when we want, free-to-air broadcast television delivering us high-quality Aussie drama is a real challenge because they have treated it so poorly. We have been pushed away to go and find our entertainment after 830 on these other places. And now when they start offering it up or have been offering it up, you know, at 9.05 or 8.53, we're just not there. We go, sorry, we'll catch it on catch up if we want to see it. Though there are a dogged few that do hang in, that give us that 3.50, that give us our, our 2.80, that we'll watch it live. But more often than not, they're watching it either recorded or they're watching it because they're jumping over to, you know, iView or 9Now or 7 Plus or whatever it is to engage with that content. 
Rod, are you watching much Aussie TV drama? No, not watching any of it. Sorry. I'm sorry to say. Um, the days You're of, the problem, Rod. I'm sorry. No, 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 actually, no. actually could I just give you a, a little anecdote? Like, Australian dramas used to travel, and I'll never forget the first time I went to Italy. I went to, to do a job over in... Landed in Venice in the afternoon, went into the hotel room, turned on the TV, and you know what was on? This was back in, like, 1993. An overdubbed uh, episode of E Street... <laughs> so I, I, I know I know they're probably you know getting bugger all money for it, but those little dramas used to you know they'd be played out all over the world. Hey, Dad all, was all over the world. Yeah, we didn't get any money for yeah. it. Yeah, and okay, back then there was no such thing as Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything, but they used to travel. Now, my thing is, is you can't compare the budget of a US show like NCIS to an Australian program because Mark Harmon earns more per episode than what an entire Australian show costs to make. Yeah, yeah. So, because they actually pay their cast. It's minnows to marlins. Yeah, I mean, and they have, you know, production values, they get paid a lot of money, it goes... I mean, NCIS is shown in a hell of a lot more countries than Home and Away. Yeah, I mean, Home and Away is like Australia and, and London, you know, and does anybody else care? But whereas NCIS, the entire world sees that show. So I don't, I don't think you can, maybe you could compare how much it costs a network in Australia to purchase that show to put on air versus what it costs to make another TV show. But you can't compare the actual cost of, of production because it's just not fair. Because like half the other child actors that I meet earned more per episode in per diem than I earned in an entire episode in actual <laughs> yeah, pay. Wow. wow. I mean, this is the challenge, right? We know that the way to make money in television is to have the big thing that's commissioned for in an international market or sell your format. So we look at, you know, people like Working Dog who are, are great at developing a new idea, building it up and then selling the format everywhere. Hamish and Andy are following the same kind of idea uh, and there have been a few ABC successes like that. The flip side, we look at things like Bluey, which is everywhere now. Like, it's in the US, it's in the UK, it is all over the place, it's travelling super well. But that's also a really specific target, you know, a, a demographic target that, that is going to play well in lots of different situations. Yeah, the kids' stuff travels, like the Wiggles yeah, yeah. or Little Lunch. I still think, you know, it comes back to the quality, though. I mean, really, is our Australian drama... The best that we've got is Doctor Doctor coming back next week. I mean, it's just not really that of a great show. I mean, people will watch. I mean, I know this is not a drama; it's a comedy. But that show Fisk on ABC mm. is continually getting over five hundred and five hundred thirty, five hundred fifty thousand viewers, and they are coming back every single week. And I bet you they make that on a on a oily rag. It's actually just a really funny, you know, comedy. I mean, we can. I just think we can do better than Doctor Doctor, and that's why people aren't watching. Mm. Oh, we used okay. to make the best Australia, the best dramas in the world, pound for pound, we and, did. and we Absolutely. do still see it sometimes. Have a look at Wakefield on the ABC. That's phenomenal drama, airing right now. SBS have had a great record in delivering short form, you know, limited series dramas in the same kind Wentworth of. Wentworth is very popular over here. Yeah, Wentworth has travelled well in in the same regard. We have the capacity to do it. We just need the funds to do it. Indeed. All right. Well, SAS Australia is coming back and Channel 7 has released cast details. And shock horror, Manu Fidel is one of them. He's the <laughs> hardest working person on Channel 7 next to Sonia Kruger. Other names include Pete Murray, Jessica Perris, Dan Ewing, Isabel Cornish, Heath Shaw, Bonnie Anderson, Bryn Edelston, Kobe Abiton, Emma Hassar, Jet Kenny, Sam Burgess, Erin Holland, Kobe Abiton and Alicia Mollick. Aaron, got to say how thrilled I am not to hear the not chef Manu on this <laughs> show. There were lots of rumours that Pete Evans was going to be on this. I am, you know, I'm I'm an advocate of free speech. I don't believe in cancel culture, but I do believe in keeping Pete Evans off our screens. I think it would have been a huge misstep for Channel 7 if they had done that. And I just desperately am hoping they just haven't kept his name out of it and surprised us with him. I will not watch if he is on it. <laughs> oh, I was going to enjoy watching him getting beaten up and stuff like that. I thought it would have been funny, but, you know, ultimately you are right. I just remember, though, after the Celebrity Edition, obviously the first one that they had, they said there's all these actors and, and all these um, 
celebrities knocking on the door to be on the second series like it's just a pick of the bunch i mean you look at that cast though it i, I would have expected a a few more bigger names though well you, you think know, hugh jackman comes... was going to go on it well i don't know <laughs> but they just said celebrities were knocking on their door and they had like the pick of the bunch and i, I haven't even heard half of their name you know well not half but maybe a quarter of the names that are in there i actually it's disagree like... I actually think that's a pretty good list. I think that I think it's an excellent list. I am kind of sad that I didn't make it home because uh, I could have been on there if it wasn't for COVID. Because as of a couple of weeks ago, they were still trying to get me down there for it, and it turned out I just couldn't make it. But I'm I looked at that list and I'm like, this is actually an excellent cast. Um, and I know people like Kobe Evident from when I lived in Maroubra, so I'm super excited for these these people. Actually, and and just a footnote. I didn't go down the list too far enough. We've got Mark Philippoussis, <laughs> Yana Pittman, oh, yeah. Kerry Potthurst, and John Stefferson. He's a former track and field athlete. I actually, I actually do think that's a good list. I mean, it's you're a not good gonna, mix. You're not going to get, you know, your sort of casual actors and lazy people that just go. Oh, I reckon I'll be on SAS Australia. You go into season two knowing full well what you're going to be put through. It is not holiday camp. Like it is brutal. Um, you're going to come out scarred and your pretty face that you make all your money from yep. is probably going to have some nice new additions to it, you know, and it's, it. I mean, someone last time nearly lost a leg. I mean, it's not going to be easy for them. It's going to be hard, but I mean, power to everyone who actually got on there to do it. Sarah, I am so sad that you're not on it. That is one of the greatest disappointments to me because I think you would have been sad, brilliant. I'm actually not sad, though, because it was like... <laughs> the, I'm the, sad. The last season, though, people... You're supposed to have three months to train. And so we'd initially talked about it six months ago, and I didn't train because I'm like, I'm not going to make it anyway. So they would have had me come out two weeks beforehand. So I legit would have been like Chappelle Corby, where on day one I'd be like, look, I'm out. Like, I can't do this six months. <laughs> like, peace out. Thanks for my money. But, yeah, I mean... I, if I'd known months beforehand, I would have trained and, you know, like had my COVID shot and all that shit and, you know, done it. But I, I, I'm very excited for this cast. I think it's an excellent mix of both personalities, sports people, actual actors. And, you know, like everyone's going to expect that the sports people do well. And I think people are always surprised when the sportsman is physically strong, but maybe not mentally strong, whereas yeah. the, the tiny little actress sorry the dog um the tiny little actress who you know everyone thinks is just a weakling is the one who's got the the mental fortitude to make it through so you think you think manu might uh, just get up there no <laughs> I, mean, I think he's gonna miss the food he's not gonna live on tomato soup sarah it is all about the mental capacity but look it is speaking of sarah now it's time for hatches and dispatches with the aforementioned child actress well, thank you very much. <laughs> it was that, sorry, that was the shittiest intro ever. Let oh, me read to that. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels have really fallen off this show, haven't they? They really have since you've been gone, Mog. All right. And speaking of Sarah, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with the lady herself. Thanks, Rob. I'm actually not sad I didn't make it because I wore a real military uniform for three years, so it's fine. Yes. I don't need to pretend for three weeks on TV. <laughs> anyway, Jack McClintock, the corporate and government affairs manager at the Seven Network, has resigned, a role he held even when Shoebridge Knoll's media group were appointed to oversee the publicity team. TV Black Box understands all regulatory announcements will continue to be posted by Seven, while all corporate announcements will now be distributed by Shoebridge Knoll's media group. <laughs> The newest rugby league competition, the Guinness Pro 14 Rainbow Cup, will be available on Stan, live on demand, and ad-free as part of Stan Sport. This is in addition to their existing rights to Super Rugby Game, the Bledisloe Cup, and other rugby union tournaments. Furiosa, the prequel to Mad Max Fury Road, will be filmed in New South Wales, bringing in around $350 million into the state's economy. The movie will star Chris Hemsworth and Queen's Gambit, Anya Taylor-Joy, and begin shooting in June. Channel 10 have confirmed Season 3 of Peter Hellyer's comedy series, How to Stay Married, will premiere on Tuesday, 4th of May, with Lisa McEwen also returning, and special guest star Casey Donovan. 
and a sequel to the 2019 Downton Abbey film has been officially announced, slated for a Christmas 2021 release in theaters. The entire cast will be returning, although the plot is still under wraps. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we're going to get the latest inside goss from the Real Housewives of Melbourne as we speak to one of the show's stars. And we'll open up the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, The Real Housewives of Melbourne is coming back and filming has just begun. But there was a glittering launch last week in Melbourne. One of the stars of the show is actually a close friend of our show. She's the co-host of the Ange Robin Robbo show, none other than Angelie Rao. And I spoke to her about what we can expect. Hello, how are you? Well, look, this is extraordinary that I was able to get you on the phone to talk about this. It really is. You have no idea. <laughs> Schedule is completely insane, but I'm only doing it for you, Rob. Well, this is what I love about you. I will say that. Hey, um, you've started shooting, as you've just alluded to. How is it going? It is going very well, as it happens. Um, I was never sure what to expect going into something like this, um, but so far, so great. It won't last, obviously. <laughs> well, we want the drama, that's for sure. Um, look, a lot of people don't know what to expect from you. We've seen you as the uh, as an anchor at CNN. You've hosted Studio 10. You are a co-host on the Ange Robin Robbo show, where I think we've really started to see your personality. But we're going to see another side to Angeli Rao on, on this show, aren't we? Uh, many sides. Yeah. Um, yes, I know. I mean, look, as he said, I've had years and years um, in TV as a television journalist, and um, it, it, always the rule was you don't um, share any part of your actual self. You just do the news, and now, of course, the news is the exact opposite of that. But um, this is—it's new for me, getting out there and showing you know, who I am. And I'm not this, um, you know, button down, besuited, <laughs> um, you know, sort of your typical news anchor person at all. So, um, yeah, it's, I can't allude to too much, obviously, about what I'm going to bring. But we're all told to be our authentic selves. And I think we actually all are. Um, a lot of mine, I think, will be to do with, um, you know, having it all, losing it all, um, trying to get it back again, which is exactly what happened in my real life. And that's something that I really think is important to um, to put out there and show people that you can, um, you know, be one thing in your life and then be something completely different. You can have multiple mm. existences in the same life. Well, Ange, obviously there's been some big cast changes this year. What should be the expectation from people going into this series? I know you've only just begun shooting, as we've talked about, but Gina's obviously gone, but Jackie's back. So there seems to be an air of excitement about that, the fact that Jackie's back. But you're meeting mm. these new characters. You're, you, you've been working with the cast now. Um, will this cast work? I think it will be tremendous, and that is the God's honest. I really do. Um, one of the things that, so before we got shut down um, over COVID, I had actually started filming. I'd shot a couple of scenes um, that, you know, went, went really well. Of course, they're, you know, Danny Eben now. But um, the thing that I was actually really disappointed about the last time was that Jackie wasn't in it. She mm. had decided to bow out in order to focus on... Um, um, IVF, I believe it was at the time. 
because um, I just thought I think I would genuinely love you as a person <laughs> and so when she was announced to be coming back I was like yes that is fantastic um, but over uh, COVID I've actually become really close friends with Cherry and Kyla uh, the two other new wives. Now there are four of us uh, because of Simone, um, but there were initially three, and so we we have become uh, you know fairly tight little unit. Um, Does so that mean there might thought- be a divide in the housewives, Ange, about a bit of an us versus them? When has there ever not been? <laughs> have you seen the show? <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't. I've seen bits and pieces. This will be my first year watching it, and I'm obviously going to take a look because you're in it, but I've heard lots of good things, and it's always been one of those shows I've been meaning to watch. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice save there. <laughs> Try not to be offended. Um, look, it, it will be my first time watching too. Um, but, you know, you're far too busy watching Married at First Sight anyway. <laughs> well, it's finished now, but, of course, Big Brother's here. But I'm really fascinated <laughs> about this because I hear bits and pieces from you and uh, it's fascinating about what goes on and how much you have to give over to yourself because, obviously, with the Ange Robin Robbo show, we don't know from day to day whether you're going to be able to do the show each night because of your commitments to Real Housewives of Melbourne. Yes, uh, I also do not know day to day. The schedule changes so quickly, as I guess you, know, you would imagine that it would have to because you know, say there's an event that happens and, and, you know, some shit goes down. Am I allowed to say shit? Uh, Yes. Anyway, it's said. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you know, you have to sort of have an an emergency, you know, confab the next day about it. Um, But, of course, you you don't know when those times are going to happen. So the turnaround is really, really quick. And um, it's all sort of action stations from, from the minute that filming starts. Well, I can't wait to hear all the juicy morsels as I continue to prod you on the And Robin Robbo show and upset Foxtel by getting little bits out of you. <laughs> all of that is true, except that getting the bits out of me. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. It's live. <laughs> Um, Ange, I really do appreciate your time. I know you are so super busy. Uh, I am really looking forward to seeing you. I know you and I love you and I can't wait for the rest of Australia to actually get to know you the way I do. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see that happen. Oh, Rob, thank you very much indeed. Um, Yes, uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say. Pray for me. (laughs) All right, Ange, we'll see you next week when the Ange, Rob and Robbo show returns and, of course, later in the year with the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Thanks very much. Anytime. It's certainly going to be a different season, Mog, without uh, Gina in there, but uh, I tell you what, knowing Angelie, I think, People are not ready for what she's going to unleash on this show. I cannot wait to see every filmed minute of this program. Um, hotly anticipated by myself and some of my friends. Uh, the Unreal Housewives podcast with Nick and Mulk is yet to be determined if we're returning, but I'm dead keen to see it come back. Uh, I, I think that Gina has spent her force. Um, there's There was lots of fans sort of feeling around after the last season that it, it Gina trying to make it the Gina show meant that it was done. She was cooked. So definitely yeah. for her to make even a last minute decision, whether it was hers or she was nudged, um, is not an unreasonable one. And to have the new ladies coming in, the big win for mine is the return of Jackie Gillies. I think that she and, and particularly you get Jackie, you get Ben. That's just going to mean that uh, there'll be all sorts of ongoing stories about their continuing um, uh, desire to have a baby and, and what that looks like for them. Uh, and of course, just the interpersonal relationship bullshit that makes the Real Housewives franchise so incredible. It's going to be amazing. I've got to be honest, I've never watched it. And this year I will be watching it. Obviously, I'm invested, Mm. but um, I look forward to seeing it. There are two kinds of people in this world, Rob. People who watch The Real Housewives of Melbourne and people who are wrong. (laughs) 
And there's that arrogance we've come to miss. Wow. All right. <laughs> it's now time to open the TV binge box. Uh, don't forget, you've got the full podcast every week with Mulk. Dan, Brookie and Joe, as it pops into your feed, go to TV Binge Box or search TV Binge Box wherever you go. But we will do our own mini version as we look at what we've been watching this week. Rod, what's been on your television? Well, I'm sorry to say there's no Australian drama, but I've been enjoying The Serpent on Netflix, the Charles Sobrage story. Uh, if, if, if any of you have seen that, a true story of a serial no. killer. And uh, the other thing I loved recently was that, uh, how good was that special episode of The Crown? Uh, the one where Philip dies and they have the funeral and the boys <laughs> kiss and make up. Wasn't a lot of dialogue in it, though, but, geez, the casting was good. And, oh, hair and makeup, <laughs> awesome. Loved it. I was a bit bummed, though, that Joseph Prince of the New Creation Church and Joel Osteen Ministries had to get bumped for it, though, because I love waking up to that shit on Sunday mornings. I tell you what, don't take Vera off the air or the ABC viewers will go cray-cray. Sarah, what's been on your viewing choices? Um, I've actually been watching, I get up in the morning and I can get um, ABC News uh, live on YouTube. Um, so sometimes I get to see the drum or just regular news, which is fascinating to actually get, you know, the less biased news. Regular guess. news. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still a little biased, but it's better than the crap here. Um, there, we watched, uh, there's a series uh, called Trafficked on Hulu, which is uh, each episode they go to like a different country and focus on different things. Um, Course and Below Deck Sailing Yacht. We finally finished mm. season one and started season two. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but uh, basically I had that on while I was doing other shit. Um, we watched Thunder Force on Netflix, which was... Yeah terribly bad and um i literally gagged every time she ate the raw chicken and i had to look away and it i was, thought it was hilarious it was a terrible fucking movie terrible yeah, I, I, I can't it. believe that it got commissioned <laughs> um ncis of course um we watched the ted bundy movie with zach efron and of course some 90 day fiance the other way you have had a lot of viewing. Aaron, what's been on your list? Um, mine's MC is back, which is kind of the spin-off to Sons of Anarchy, so I'm enjoying that. I'm, I'm loving Dancing with the Stars. I like having the whole gang back together, even if yeah. Daryl's a bit dorky. Even bit. when he says some lines and you sort of cringe and you go, oh, it's just, I think that's what makes it. I, I liked it. They've cut him down too much, though. Yeah. It's 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 fun it's fun to watch and a, and a new series uh, in America with Katie Segal who people remember from Married with Children um, as the mum and Sons of Anarchy it's called Rebel the series is loosely based um, and produced by Erin Brockovich so Segal is playing an Erin Brockovich type character it's not actually Erin Brockovich um, trying to win sort of legal cases her own way I mean she's not 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 technically a lawyer but she she does it the Erin Brockovich way so two episodes of Ed in America it's called Rebel and it's uh, quite good I've been watching uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier which is just really compelling television uh, Married at First Sight I've never really been into it until this year and this year the whole family ended up watching it we were all into it uh lego masters i took a look at last night and just good good tv and takes the piss out of itself it's really fun and you get amazing results i want to see master chef i just haven't done that yet um we've been watching superstore on repeat now so now that it's finished my daughter and i are watching it on repeat but uh the big one for me has been big brother i've been watching previews of that i've got three episodes i'm demanding channel 7 send me more so that i can consume more this series and i i think i said something earlier is just brilliant everyone's gonna love big brother i'm addicted to it addicted monk what about you friends settle back i have a list oh god <laughs> I've been jumping through a whole bunch of previews as well. So I've, I've watched the three available episodes of You Can't Ask That, uh, which returns for a new season next Wednesday night. And uh, when it does so, the whole series will drop on ABC iView. It's phenomenal. Um, the first, the eps that I've seen, uh, one on people who cheat, one on former footballers, and the third was on amputees. And I, I, I will warn you now, in the amputees episode, there is a gruesome story about how a gentleman loses his arm as recently as two years ago. 
Um, so he's wow. a fresh amputee. Um, it is huge. Um, Casketeers, I love this wonderful little New Zealand story that's all about um, a, a, a funeral home or a chain of funeral homes in Wellington, in New Zealand. Delightful television. Um, I'm hanging out for the final episode of Fisk this Wednesday night on the ABC uh, because it has just been great comedy. Um, Marty Sheargold, as uh, the, you know, the boss of Gruber and Associates, has been an absolute joy to watch. And Kitty Flanagan can write, direct, uh, and star in anything, as far as I'm concerned. She's fabulous. I did watch Made for Love, the new, I think it's HBO series on Stan, um, and it's not good. I did not like it. The whole premise is that a woman leaves her uh, billionaire husband um, who has implanted in her head a chip to be able to gather data about her emotions and how she feels and all of those sorts of things. I, uh, I get it, but it, it maybe it just wasn't for me. Um, I did, on the recommendation of Dan Ewing, watch Love and Monsters, uh, set in California, filmed in the Gold Coast hinterland, and you can tell. Oh, it's fun. It, it, that's a really easy watch. <laughs> One to watch with your kids, uh, certainly your teenagers. It, it touches on some great rom-com material. There's some great monster stuff. Giant Frog is a, is a great place to be. The big thing that I want to commend to absolutely everyone, this has just started in Australia and in America. It's called Mayor of East Town. It stars Kate Winslet, Guy Pearce is in it, um, and Gary Rice is in it. So th- uh, two great Aussie actors along with a, a pretty cracking one in Kate. Um, it is a story set in a, a Pennsylvanian town, backwards kind of whatever. There's not much going on except for a whole bunch of serial murders. Uh, and K- Mayor is the name of Kate Winslet's character, M-A-R-E. Um, she is a former, like a high school basketball star who became a detective in the same town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Her life is falling apart and she has to solve this crime uh, that's taking place. I've seen the first five. It is the most binge-worthy show I've seen this year. I just could not stop going next, next, next. Um, so first episode has landed. It's weekly on Foxtel Showcase. Um, you definitely want to see Mayor of East Town. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. And that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for more insights and exclusives, go to tvblackbox.com.au. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes as well. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mark. We'll see you next week on the TV Black Box. I'll try to be on time. (laughs) 